Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What is up on a Thursday? I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes Podcast powered by Twisted Tea. Today, we've got a two-parter player interview-wise for you. Two awesome interviews, one with the current player and one with the former player. First, we're going to go to the Oxford Ortho Letterman's Lounge Athlete of the Week and talk to Ole Miss great Vaughn Hutchins. Great guy, super awesome conversation. We talked about his time at Ole Miss coming through with Eli, switching positions from offense to defense, his career in the NFL, and then how he gravitated toward player personnel and player scouting and development after he was done playing football. He's actually currently, as you'll listen uh, here in a second, the current director of player operations or player personnel for the DC defenders of the XFL who made it all the way to the XFL championship game this year. He's, he spent a lot of time in NFL front office too. Awesome guy. Really enjoyed it. I hope you will too. Before we get to that, they wanted a quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by Rent the Sip Oxford. Rent the Sip Oxford's Turnberry unit is located off Old Taylor Road, just a less than a mile from the Ole Miss campus. It sleeps eight comfortably. It is gated. It has amenities such as a tennis courts, sauna. It's a great place to be. It can be hard to find a place to stay in Oxford, particularly on big weekends. Maybe you're just coming through for a business trip. Hey, maybe you're coming up for a midweek basketball game. Got the basketball season tickets coming up. There's all kinds of availability, including Vanderbilt weekend for football check them out rentthesipoxford.com bracken ray friend of the pod would not steer the wrong way it is a prime location less than a mile from campus straight shot to swayze field almost a straight shot to vaude hemingway stadium and of course an easy walk to the pavilion as well you need to check it out today go to rentthesipoxford.com to check availabilities if you use the promo code rippy rights r-i-p-p-e-e rights r-i-t-e-s that'll get you 100 bucks off any two-night minimum stay please check this out don't miss out on the opportunity you always hear about it's hard to find a place in Oxford. I'm giving you one in a prom location at a terrific price. Check them out. RentTheSipOxford.com. Podcast is also brought to you by Seaspire. It's time to upgrade your home internet to the best service in the market with Seaspire Home Fiber. The past few years have proven how important it is to have a reliable home internet connection for you and your family. That's why Seaspire Home provides the most reliable internet service with 99.99% uptime. Seaspire also prides themselves in having the best customer service in the home internet market. Their customer service is an award-winning local service based out of the Southeast with industry low call wait time. Seaspire provides one gigabit and 300 megabit internet packages to homes across Mississippi, Birmingham, and South Alabama regions. Seaspire is proud to announce the release of their new two gigabit and eight gigabit home internet plans. Save yourself the hassle by not waiting for your internet connection to drop with the other guys. Call or go online to cspire.com and use the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E, for one month of free service. That's right. You're going to get the best internet on the market. I use it. Can't be having bad internet doing the podcast and all the other stuff we got going on here. It's the best in the market. And just for listening to this podcast and using the promo code RIPPY, you're going to get a month of free service. Take advantage of that today. Cspire, customer inspired. All right, here's Vaughn Hutchins on his Ole Miss career, life after football, and coming back to Oxford this weekend. All right, we now welcome on the Oxford Ortho Letterman's Lounge Athlete of the Week, Ole Miss great Vaughn Hutchins. Forgive the listeners, I'm going to sound like a broken record because I had Chris Collins on last week, but your era of football was kind of the first conscious memories I had of Ole Miss teams, particularly that 2003 team. How are you doing, man? I appreciate you joining us. Man, I'm doing well, man. I can't complain. Uh, Enjoying life. Absolutely. And yeah, you're at soccer practice right now. You mentioned with your oldest one. So pulling dad duty while podcasting, that's uh, that's some great multitasking there. Hey, man, absolutely, man. I, he's been with this little soccer program for the past three years. He enjoys it. Uh, 
their little squad that they have. He's got a couple buddies on the team, a uh, couple guys that he enjoys to play play with, and they got a pretty good little roster this year, man. He had five goals in two games this past weekend with an assist, hat trick one game. Uh, he's got to be leading the league and scoring at this point, man, and we went 2-0. So, there you go. And I coach out here with him, man. I, I appreciate just being with the kids, man, seeing them work, learn. And the biggest thing is you see their confidence grow. You see confidence in themselves, you know, which is huge, man, at this age, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I imagine that was a pretty formative time for you. And a kid from Natchez, Mississippi, I guess we'll start there. How'd you end up at Ole Miss? I know you went to private school, cathedral there, I believe. What was kind of your recruitment like? How'd you end up at Ole Miss? Oh, man. I, I, I was just blessed, man, to be completely honest. I uh, I actually played at five letters in high school, man. I, I started on, on the high school program as an eighth grader after we went undefeated in junior high beating some of the larger programs from around our city. And then at that point, uh, like the last three games of the season, two or three games of the season, including playoffs, uh, I played high school ball in eighth grade, five, six, five, seven, 140 pounds, soaking wet, playing quarterback and won a playoff game. Uh, but I got recruited really – by just going to an old Miss camp, to be completely honest. Being from a small 1A school in Natchez, Mississippi, only graduating with 60, 60 kids, uh, camp was huge for me. I went when Tuberville was the head coach. Uh, it was a one-day camp with a buddy of mine, and that really gave me the confidence to see that I, I belonged with the best players in the state. Prior to that, I knew I was the best guy you know, at the school and, you know, in our district or in 1A ball or whatnot, but I wasn't getting a ton of recognition. But seeing the, the players themselves that everybody had spoke about, dandy dozens, guys that were already getting recruited, seeing those guys in person during that one-day camp gave me confidence. And uh, Tuberville and his staff asked me to stay for the two-day camp, uh, and then they offered me on the spot. And that's how I got rolling, to be completely honest. And that's interesting. You mentioned, you know, small 1A private school. It's a little different now from social media and then just people kind of having a little different opinion of private school ball. I went to a private school in Jackson, Mississippi. I kind of understood how that worked. Did you get recruited by anybody else? Were you considering going anywhere else or was it kind of Ole Miss or bust? Well, once Ole Miss offered, then the rest of the schools offered. Okay. USM offered, Mississippi State offered, Tuberville left and went to Auburn. They offered. La Tech offered, Coach Cutcliffe came in and honored the the scholarship offer at Ole Miss. So for me, uh, yes, there was interest. And in being from Natchez, really my favorite team growing up was probably LSU, you know. But, I, you know, I really didn't – obviously, man, I had dreams and aspirations of playing college football, but I didn't really know how to get there. Right. Again, this is really – the early stages of the internet, you got newspapers. So I didn't know what to do and, you know, didn't really communicate and talk with counselors and those things. So I really didn't know what the process was. It was really my chance, you know. And again, yeah, I, I did have thoughts of going elsewhere. But at the same time, once I stepped foot on campus for my official visit, 
we had Eli, we had Coach Cutcliffe. They were coming off the net, uh, you know, the success that he had at Tennessee. He worked with Peyton. Now he would work with Eli. I mean, it was a done deal in my book. And I imagine that had to help things because, I mean, look, the Tuberville Pine Box comment, that's a famous one. I imagine as a high school kid who grew up, you know, you go to the Tuberville camp and then he leaves. Like, did did that give you pause at all or just was the coaching change pretty seamless and you were old Miss all the way? Uh, I mean, it, in all honesty, you kind of get attracted to the people that recruit you. And it was Coach Panunzia that had actually recruited me. He was a really good recruiter. He was from that New Orleans area or, right, you know, right around that. And he had always been a really good recruiter, and we built a good relationship. So, you know, Tuberville aspect was kind of like, huh, whatever. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to the name school, you know, at this point. Uh, But once Coach McIntyre was my recruiter, once we uh switched over with, with Coach Cut, I think it was right around November, December or something, uh, you know, my senior year. And at that point, it was kind of like, whoa, yeah, I think I'm locked in and locked in now. You know, I didn't take any more visits. Ole Miss was my first official. I didn't go to Mississippi State on the official, didn't go to Auburn, nor USM on an official. So I was one and done. When you got to Ole Miss, you mentioned you came in with a pretty hype class. I mean, it culminates in that 2003 season that was pretty magical. When you got there, how how quickly did you find your footing? You mentioned, you know, you go to the camp, you realize you belong. What was your path to getting on the field and being a regular contributor like? How quickly did you get adjusted to SEC football? I needed time to develop, man. I wasn't ready. Yes, from a confidence standpoint, I could tell that I could compete. Size-wise, I was still 5'8", 5'9", 165, 170 pounds. Minimum muscle. Minimal real understanding of what's going on football-wise. You know, our plays, I'd only played quarterback and free safety in high school. Uh, so, and our plays were relatively simple. Power our right, tailback at six. Defensively, bond, find the football, you know. So, there was an adjustment period. You know, plus being out on your own by yourself, new environment. Kids that were highly recruited, you know. I'm switching positions. Initially, I... They put me on offense. I'm playing receiver. I was horrible. Uh, I was wearing a terrible number, number 49. I felt stank. You know what I'm saying? I felt I'm like, bro, they definitely don't like me here. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I tell this story, man. Uh, I tell this story, man. I went back, man. We had freshman two-a-days, legit freshman two-a-days during that time. So, you know, there were we brought in, what, 20, 30 guys or whatever, and – no, those were the people that practiced. You know, there may have been 45, 50 or something on the field, but that was the first time I saw a guy catch a full body cramp. The first time I saw a guy have an asthma attack. You know, I'm wearing this ugly number. I can't get the plays down. And then I almost saw two people die in my mind. I remember calling home to mom that first week of freshman two-a-days, like, bro, it is like 116 out here. They expect us to practice two times a day. We're going with the ones and the twos. I don't know what route I'm supposed to run because the, the play is like a two sentences long. <laughs> and I'm wearing this ugly number. Mom, I know they hate me here. You know, I think I want to come home. And she was like, well, we've already changed the room over. You know, 
But, you know, just being around the guys that I was around, Marcus Woodson, Jesse Mitchell, uh, Eli, uh, Jamil Northcutt, Lanier Gothy, you know, Justin Wade, Justin Sawyer, rest in peace, uh, Cliff Woodruff, those guys, man, we built a really good rapport with each other. We were, you know, Coach Cut's first class. So we built a good rapport and we helped each other out a ton. So that red shirt year was a, a big development year for myself where I got bigger, got stronger. Uh, I didn't make it past week two of regular or of training camp on offense before I switched over to defense. Uh, didn't understand a lot of that stuff over there defensively. Was trying to figure out how the hell am I supposed to tackle Deuce McAllister? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. What am I supposed to do with Joe Gunn? You know, hey, what's going on, bud? You know, I, I was, you know, it it was a, a pure adjustment period for me early on. But I needed that. I needed that from a maturity standpoint. I needed that. What's up, big dog? I needed it from a, a development aspect. And that was huge for me. It didn't take until uh, my redshirt freshman year, middle of the season, when I'm just playing a little bit of special teams to where it's like, okay, now I feel like I fit in. And then that year, I was able to get my high school number, number five. And that gave confidence. I started to understand what was going on defensively. The position that I was in at weak safety, which was pretty much a nickel position in our four-two-five defense with Art Kaufman, uh, was comfortable to me. And then we got a new defensive coordinator with Coach Drizback, and it kind of kicked off, man. Started my sophomore year. I think sophomore. Yeah, sophomore year. That's when I started for three years. What was it like playing on those defenses? I mean, that's Eddie Strong. Our guys had some dudes. You know, one of the memories I have is the 2002 upset against Florida. I know you'll beat them the next year, too, but that was kind of a very famous yep. Eddie Strong game. What was it like playing alongside guys like that? Man, we had a bunch of legit players just come through. You know, Kendrick Clancy. Again, Jesse Mitchell. Uh, we have Eddie Strong, uh, defensive end that plays played with uh, – with, uh, with the Patriots, uh, uh, I can't think of his name. Um, but we had some productive guy, Ken Lucas, Seneca Taylor. You know, guys that helped us out a ton in the secondary, guys that helped us out a ton defensively, just to show us how how to play the game from a physical standpoint and to be just mature within the defense. Be physical, understand your assignments, do your assignments, understand your alignments and then play well, play fast, play physical. You had to overcome a lot. You played for quite a few defensive coordinators. You started on the offensive side of the football. You know, in today's world, I mean, like five things happened to you in the first two years that would have caused, you know, kids to transfer these days. But you guys didn't really have that option. I imagine there were some tough times before you saw the payoff. When was the first time really like on the field as a – um, you know, defense guy, you know, playing that nickel position, safety, whatever it was – that you felt like you were, okay, I've arrived here, I'm comfortable here, I belong? Uh, redshirt in my, my, my freshman year. My redshirt freshman year was all special teams. My redshirt sophomore year is when I felt like during training camp I got comfortable. Okay. Like things started to slow down for me. Uh, I started to be able to see things a little better, understand what was going on defensively a little bit more, 
And then later on in the season, we were playing Georgia. They had David Green, and uh, I think they may have had Ben Watson at uh at tight end. And I remember throughout the week they talked about a certain route concept that if we saw this route concept, we should jump this route. You know. And again, I'm starting. I'm I'm just really making tackles. I'm not making plays. I'm just getting guys down. But in this situation, I legit followed what the coach was telling us during the week. I saw the concept. I recognized it. It slowed down for me. I recognized the formation, and I said, okay, well, they're running an over route. I'm going to jump the route. And I jumped the route and got an interception. So that was my first career pick, first of 11. Uh, and that changed everything for me. You know, leading up into my junior year, now I got confidence. Now I, uh, I feel good about where I fit defensively. I feel good about where I fit within the scheme. I feel good about the guys that we have in our secondary group now because now I'm being asked to be a leader. You know, got Matt Greer, Eric Oliver, Travis Blanchard, you know, guys, uh, Charles Clark, you know, guys that we've had to rely on and they look up to me like I know what the hell I'm doing now, you know? And that year, my junior year, I ended up having six picks uh, playing safety and playing corner. And, again, just confidence just continued to grow. And at that point, I felt like, okay, now I think I know what's going on defensively. Now I feel like that I got a chance to actually be a legit all-SEC type player. Leaving that 2002 season, did you guys have any – like, how did you guys have an idea of how good you could be that 2003 or your last year? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's because we had Eli. Right. You know, there was a level of calmness that came offensively. We knew that as long as we gave the ball back to Eli, he's going to put us in situations to score. You know, uh, we had good kickers. So we're going to put up points even if we don't score touchdowns. And then defensively, we had guys that could take the ball away. You know, we had guys like Charlie Anderson and, and Josh Cooper that could pressure the quarterback on the edge. Guys on, on the interior like Jesse Mitchell, linebackers that like Lanier Gothy and uh, Jamil Northcutt that can make plays in the middle. So as long as we gave the ball back to Eli, we knew we, we would have a chance. What was that win in the swamp like? That seemed like what really kickstarted you guys' season. That was an early October game. You went 20 to 17. How big of a confidence boost was that when you guys pulled that off? Oh, uh, that was huge, man. Uh, we weren't scared of him at that point. We'd already beat him at home and tore down the goalposts the year before, you know. So now with a year of experience and a quarterback that was younger than what Rex Grossman was, it wasn't nothing. We've already been faced with stepping foot in LSU. We've already seen Georgia between the hedges. We've already been to Bama. We've already played it on the plains and in Auburn. This is just Florida. It is what it is at this point. You know, they got good players. We got good players. I ended up having to pick that game and uh, got a SEC defensive player of the week. All right, we'll get back to Vaughn in just a second, but I want to take a quick break to remind you. The podcast is brought to you by Twisted 
T. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any other hard beverage you've ever had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol. Watch out out there. Dangerous. That's my words, not theirs. And no carbonation. Delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up on any occasion, especially when you're cheering on for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting with friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate your game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable memories. So, Let's toast to unforgettable game day experience. Twisted Tea, the drink that feels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. The world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Hopefully, you took advantage of Skybox Sports Picks four and two week in college football last weekend. All you have to do is go online to skyboxsportspicks.com, sign up for a picks package that fits your price range, and boom, you're more equipped to profit. You can try it for a day, a week, a month. You can try college football, NFL. I'd recommend going with the year-long all-access pass. And you're more equipped to profit than you are five minutes before signing up for Skybox. It's a small investment to ensure that you do not lose money this football season. If you're into wagering, it's the only place to profit. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Go see Greg if you're a Rippy Ride subscriber. That's rippyrights.substack.com. You get a free newsletter from me. And also discounted meats. Right now, the Rippy Ride special is three six-ounce bacon wrap fillets for 20 bucks. That's about a $40 valuation. You're getting there for 20 bucks. Show Greg proof of subscription. He'll get you set up with the Rippy Ride special. Then go find all your own favorites. It's the best butcher shop in the world. All kinds of delicious cuts of meat. It's football season. You're going to want to throw something on the grill and watch all the games. Check them out, LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, back to Vaughn Hutchins. Where were you later that year when that kid drops the uh, touchdown toward the end of the game at Auburn? Were you on the field? What was your reaction to that? I was on the field, and I was pissed off because now at this point I'm playing corner. I'd already broken my hand uh, during practice, missed a week of – missed one game because I had to – we were playing Matt Jones and that crew – yeah. And I had a big club on my hand. They had Mac Jones. They had uh, Peyton Hillis. They had, man, McFadden. They had all these big-time running backs, and I couldn't tackle. Missed that game. Come back, and I play. We play, I think, LSU, Auburn, you know, all of that stuff. But uh, the snap prior, I had an opportunity to get an INT uh, on a corner route. I go up, and I tip the ball to the player to a receiver on their team, and they scored a touchdown. You know, didn't get two hands on it. Ball went through my hands, and he scores. So, uh, if I'm not mistaken, we still won that game, right? Yeah, that kid's drop on yeah. third down was basically at the end yeah. of the game, and then they don't get – you guys bull rush them on fourth down and win the game. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, I was – yeah, on the field, and, I mean, it was it – was, again, it was bittersweet to me because in my mind, shit, we should have never been in that situation. I should have had the interception. So, yeah, shit, he, he didn't make a play, you know? When you mentioned playing Arkansas earlier that season, it actually brought me back to the year prior, the, uh, or was it two years prior, the seven overtime game. Was that 01 or 02? What was that like? Man, I played 120 snaps or so that game. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I was tired, you know what I mean? I was tired, man, you know? 
but again, we were just resilient. You know, we were resilient and we fought. So I'm glad. Uh, well, I'm sure a lot of these players are glad now. But shit, they play 100 snaps a game routinely now. But uh, you know, it was a testament to our endurance, our training, uh, our conditioning. And again, we're just literally resilience, man. That year in 2003, when Travis Johnson has the pick six early at LSU, renovations aside, I always contend that's the loudest I've ever heard Vaught Hemingway Stadium. What was that moment like and how confident y'all are going to win at that point? We should have beat LSU during that time. I think man. everybody kind of on, on that field thinks that. Uh, Travis Johnson has the pick six. Blanchard has a pick that they call back because – there was a guy that false starts offensively. We had the best kicker in the country at that time with uh, Jonathan Nichols. And I think he missed two field goals. Uh, you know, I I had an interception that game. Uh, I think Eli converted on points. Uh, LSU was good. I mean, you give credit to them. They were good. Uh, they won They won the West. We go, what, 10-1 and one or something like that, losing only to them. And – they end up playing the national championship game, you know. So it's kind of bittersweet, man. But you know, we knew what type of team we had, and obviously, man, we we finished it up at the uh, Cotton Bowl at the end of that season. You went up against Eli in practice a pretty good bit, I imagine. When was the first time you realized he was different? Uh, when we were eighteen, and he stepped foot on the, on the practice field, really, uh, in seven on seven. Yeah, it, it's you can you can easily tell a guy when he's a dude, you know, and just ball positioning where the ball was placed. You could have receivers covered and still can't make a play on the ball. It's those situations that, you know, you appreciate with really good quarterbacks. When you transition to pro football, you're a six round draft pick. You get in Colts camp. What's that first camp like for you? When did you kind of realize, Hey, I got a shot to make this team. And, you know, for a late round draft pick, you carved out one hell of an NFL career that doesn't really happen that often for late round guys. What was that first camp like? And when did you finally realize like, Hey, I might actually have a shot at this thing. Uh, in all honesty, man, I was confident. Day one when I stepped foot on, on in camp, uh, I felt like I belonged. You know, oddly enough, I felt a sense of family already. I knew Peyton. I'd already played with Eli. Archie and, you know, Cooper would come up and Olivia would come up, so I would see them around. That Colts team had, and we probably have, eight Hall of Famers on that roster right now. You know, when you talk about just a bunch of guys that have gotten in or will get in at some point. Uh, but there was a sense of professionalism that I was used to. I was used to that at Ole Miss. We treated it like we were pros. We treated it like, yeah, we, we're going to have fun. We're going to enjoy. But at the same time, when we come to work, we're coming to work. And that's exactly what the Indianapolis atmosphere was like. You know, guys drove work trucks to work. This was a job. You know, we took it seriously. Uh, so, just to go out there and compete with guys, man, and see how guys reacted and guys studied to be in the same meeting with Bob Sanders. And, you know, obviously, man, he was a second-round pick, should have been a first-round pick, but broken fifth metatarsal. Coach knew that they can take him and select him late 
or early second round as opposed to spending first round money on it. Well, he was in his book, even though he wasn't on the field. So in the meeting rooms, he answered questions just as fast as he played on the field to where you guys saw. So there was a level of accountability to where, okay, well, if you're not going to answer these types of questions and respond in the same type of way, you're not going to get on the field anyway. And then when you do get on the field, you still got to produce. You mentioned being confident in the amount of Hall of Famers you had on that team. Was there a moment of starstruckness where you get in the rookie camp? You're like, okay, my teammates, a little different here. There, there's some real dudes, probably some guys you grew up watching play in the same locker room as you. You know what? I, I tell people this all the time. I really wasn't starstruck in the league until I saw there were two different players that I saw that I was like, oh, snap. I saw, in fact, I'll just mention one. When I saw Cam Newton in person, I was like, God, this is a big man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this man, Cam Newton and uh uh receiver from uh Georgia Tech Hall of Famer. Uh, oh, Megatron. Uh Calvin Johnson. Man, Calvin Johnson. I've worked out with Calvin Johnson on the offseason. And when I saw him working out, I'm like, bro, I'm working out with, with him and he's doing the same drills that I'm doing, only faster and better. And he has six inches on me and 40 pounds. The hell, you know? Uh, but, I mean, again, being around Deuce McAllister, being around Eli Manning, being around that atmosphere, I knew we had a good team or a great team in Indy. I knew Peyton, Marvin, Wayne, Edgerin, Jeff Saturday, uh, Freeney, Mathis, uh, Cato June, Bob Sanders, Tony Dungy. I knew that we had a legit squad. It was really just a matter of when we or they would win a Super Bowl. But I wasn't starstruck at, at that point, to be completely honest. Who was the toughest receiver you ever covered in the league? You know what? It really depends on, you know, just timing and, and things of that nature. I can give you two guys that pose legit issues. Steve Smith was an asshole. Yeah, I've seen some highlights. <laughs> I remember and, that too. And loved facing him. You know, he probably has no clue who I am, you know, but you knew that you had to strap up when you played Steve. And uh, I faced him when I was with the Texans. And uh, Brandon Marshall. Okay. Brandon Marshall was a big receiver who a lot of people don't give credit for what type of athlete and what type of uh, style he played for, for a guy that's six, three and a half, 230 pounds and can run four or five and played basketball on turf. What about toughest quarterback? Uh, man, we face legit quarterbacks week in and week out, you know, uh, Drew Brees, uh, you know. Because you go from Peyton being your teammate to playing him twice a year. Yeah, obviously, man, and that's always tough, you know, and Peyton just knew how to operate, you know, Drew, we played Tom, Tom knew how to manipulate you, you know, and in Indy, we ran a cover two scheme and everything was, you know, eyes and everybody had to be on the same type, on the same rope, you know, and if one person, if he could manipulate one person, now he creates a, an area avoid within your defense. So I mean, you know, I faced all these guys. Jay Cutler, 
you know, everybody posed a different type of issue. Vince Young, whenever we faced him with the Titans, a different type of situation that you got to deal with, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, you're playing in the NFL. You're going to face legit guys week in and week out. You know, it's really just a matter of how do you prepare and, uh, you know, what do you expect to get. But, man, definitely guys like Tom and, you know, when we face Peyton, when we face Peyton, Peyton and, uh, you know, Drew. You had a hell of a career off the field, too. What made you want to get back into football on the player evaluation side? Man, you know what? Uh, after I, I started, what, 15 or 16 games with Houston, signed a contract with the Falcons, three-year deal. Uh, Liz Frank injury put me out first day of training camp, and I never really felt like myself. So even though I still had the, the urge and the, the desire to still play, I wouldn't have been myself and I couldn't be myself. You know, and still with that burning desire, I didn't want to coach. And I ended up, you know, sending out resumes to a bunch of different teams and a bunch of different coaches and scouts that I had met or interacted with throughout the time as a player. And I did an internship in Green Bay, and it showed me the behind-the-scenes aspects is exactly what I want to do. You know, uh, majoring in accounting at Ole Miss, so – the financial aspect, I can I can understand portions of that, which is critical with the salary cap and how to be able to manage your cap. Uh, but I'm a behind-the-scenes type of guy. That's just personality-wise. Don't necessarily want to teach, even though I will with the young kids in, in soccer and things like that, but that's not necessarily how I want to compete on Saturdays or Sundays. You know, being able to compete from, you know, providing guys with an opportunity to uh, fulfill their dreams, you know, by assembling the roster and bringing together a group of people, it it, it burned a fire in me. So, you know, those uh, that time I spent in Green Bay during training camp of, I think it was 2011 during the strike shortened season, uh, was critical for me. And then Reggie McKenzie just so happened to get the job with the Raiders the following year and brought me along, and then I became a pro scout with the Raiders and assistant director of pro scouting. And I can already tell even just from talking to you for a few minutes that you definitely have a knack for, you know, evaluation of what makes players great. I feel like some of that could just comes naturally of being a DB. I mean, you know what quarterbacks do well, you know what receivers do well, and you really kind of have to study what makes people different. Did you kind of catch on and enjoy that fact pretty quickly of, like, knowing kind of what makes a player different and trying to find, you know, the freak in the draft or whatever the case may be and finding what makes people different? Yeah, absolutely, man. And and that end, just enjoying, just being around people. You know, you can have a room full of great athletes and not necessarily have the best team. You know, uh, myself, I I had to be a guy that had to play multiple positions. You know, I had to play corner. I had to play safety. I had to play nickel. And I had to understand all of that. Plus, I had to be a glue guy within the room and help the other guys. Even if I'm not a starter, I need to be able to help that nickel if he is starting in front of me. And if he goes down, I need to step in his place. If Dante Robinson goes down, I need to be able to play corner. If the free safety goes down, I need to be able to play safety. So understanding that aspect of how you build and construct a roster full of guys that are competitive, tough, physical, you know, strong, 
playmakers and still create this the type of energy and synergy within that room to where everybody feels like that, yeah, you're competing against your buddy, but at the same time, we're still the Colts. We're still the Raiders. We're still doing this together. In your most recent venture with the D.C. Defenders, you built a championship roster very quickly. I imagine it had to be very gratifying. What was it like making it all the way to the championship game and having success as the director of player personnel? Oh, man, that was phenomenal, man, for me, to be completely honest, man. And in all essence, man, credit goes to Barlow and, and our coaching staff. You know, Fred Kice, Greg Williams, our offensive and defensive coordinators, uh, and our position coaches, man. Just everybody did a really good job of, again, just telling me what type of players they wanted. And we hit on the players that we got, you know. You know, and, and we were able to form a legit roster filled with guys that competed, you know. Uh, so, man, our, our guys, our players, man, hats off to them for what they've done and what they will continue to do. Absolutely. And you've had a remarkable career both on the field and obviously off it, you know, developing rosters and, and you know, evaluating talent. And so just to kind of in closing, you're coming back this weekend for the Georgia Tech game. How often do you make it back? What do you think that'll be like this weekend? You know, to be completely honest, this this will be the first time that I actually watch a game as a fan. Really? At, at Ole Miss. Yeah, I've been back a few times as a scout with the Raiders. And again, I was a pro scout, so there weren't many times I got a chance to come home. You know, I think I had to finagle right. my way in order to come back for that. I think it was an Ole Miss, Mississippi State had games on the same weekend and I was doing an advance in Tennessee and I was able to tell Reg, hey Reg, let me leave on Friday, go check the game out, cross check these players and then go see the game in Tennessee. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm excited, man. I'm excited for my family to get a chance to be around the environment. You know, they haven't gotten the chance to see what game they looks like at Ole Miss. So uh, that's exciting to me also. Absolutely. They're doing great work there at the Letterman's Lounge. Javon Patterson bringing guys back, guys that you know bring up some nostalgic memories for a lot of us, myself included. Vaughn, I really appreciate the time. This was a ton of fun. Thank you for doing this. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and I will do it again sometime. Man, I appreciate it, Brian. Thanks, man. Appreciate Vaughn's time. I thought that was a great conversation. I hope you enjoyed that as well. Now we're going to head to Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste. We talked about his season so far through two games, the confidence builder that the win at Tulane was last week, how he's fitting in in Pete Golding's defense, and why he wanted to come to Ole Miss. So I think you'll enjoy it. But before we do, I want to take a quick break to remind you. This podcast is now brought to you by MC Speech Therapy. Has your child been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder or another developmental disorder? MC Speech Therapy offers private speech therapy from the comfort of your own home. Other centers may leave you as the parent sitting in the waiting room. MC Speech Therapy enables parents to make every moment with their child therapeutic. Using a relationship-based framework, MC Speech Therapy can help your child engage, relate, and communicate. Mary Claire Boudreaux's doctorate-level expertise and passion in helping children with communication difficulties offers articulation and language therapy, parent training, 
is, is licensed to do virtual therapy across the state of Mississippi. With MC Speech Therapy, you and your family will gain a better understanding of your child while cultivating stronger relationships. For service today, call 903-824-8575 or email her at maryclaire at mcspeechtherapy.net. That is M-A-R-Y-C-L-A-I-R-E at mcspeechtherapy.net. All right, here is Jeremiah Jean Baptiste on the Rebels season so far and his outlook for the rest of the year. All right, we now welcome on Ole Miss linebacker Jeremiah Jean Baptiste. I appreciate you joining us, man. I'm sure you're somewhat fresh off of meetings at the practice field. How are you doing? I mean, I'm doing good. I can't complain. And uh, yes, I'm fresh out of meetings right now. I appreciate you joining us. I've uh, been looking forward to it. So you guys come off a big road win, win 37-20 to 20 at Tulane. I guess we'll start there. Was that a confidence builder for you guys? You faced some adversity early in the game, particularly as a defense. You guys played really well in the second half. Was that something you guys look back and kind of look at as maybe a potential, I don't know about launching point, but just give you some confidence on a unit with a lot of new faces? Uh, yes, I'll definitely say that helps us build a lot of confidence. You know, uh, going on the road is, is never an easy task. So, you know, being able to go on the road and come back home with a W and being able to face adversity as a defense and, you know, stay strong during that tough time shows us a lot about what his defense can be and what it will be this year. I wasn't wa I wasn't at the game. I was watching on television and the TV broadcast kept talking about the heat and it kept making it sound like you guys traveled from like Saskatchewan, Canada or something rather than Mississippi to come travel and play in this heat. That being said, you we've had some unseasonably cool weather in Oxford the last couple of weeks. Did it take any adjusting at all to get used to how hot it was down there? Um, not at all. To be honest with you, it's it's been very hot here in uh Mississippi. So being able to train in the heat is just an advantage for us. So I I say, you know, that's pretty good, a good thing about it. Yeah, absolutely. And so as that game kind of wore on, it seemed like it took you guys a little bit to kind of figure out your bearings against what is a very good and a very tricky two-lane offense. But once you got settled in, I mean, 27 to three second half kind of speaks for itself. Did you find that you guys got in a rhythm in the middle of the game? I mean, hell, I think for the last seven or eight drives, whatever the one after they made it 17 to seven, you guys like gave up like two and a half yards or 2.2 yards of play. Did you feel like you guys settled in in the middle part of the game? Uh, yes, definitely. I'll definitely say we uh, settled in. Um, coming outside of halftime, I went into the locker room and told these guys, man, like, let's continue to play our brand of football and let's, let's let's stop the run. Let's stop the explosive plays. I feel like once I said that, you know, the whole defense decided to lock in and, you know, we just went to work and we just played our brand of ball. I watched your press conference the other day and I was going to ask you about that. You mentioned that you went in there and you kind of had a message for the defense and the team. And as a new guy coming in, new roster, a lot of new faces, it sounds like you've taken on a somewhat vocal role as far as a leader. You're an older guy. What's that been like? And do you feel like you're one of the vocal leaders of the defenses? Um, yes. As I said this before, man, uh, I, at my old school, I was a captain. But, like, there's, there, there, there's, you don't need a title to be a captain in, in my world. You know, if you're able to lead guys on and off the field and have guys rally behind you, that just speaks for yourself and lets you know what type of person you are. So I do feel like I, I, I've i been emerging into a vocal leader as the season goes on, for sure. What's the adjustment been like? I know you're a couple games into the season, but you haven't been at Ole Miss and Oxford that long. What's it been adjusting like to, you know, Ole Miss, the town, the program, and, you know, life as an SEC linebacker? Man, I, I kid you not. Like, being being here in Oxford, man, it's I love it here. The people are so nice and genuine, and it's a small, it's a small town. But, man, listen, the small town just showed me a lot of, a lot of what is out here in the world. So I love it here. What made you choose Ole Miss? Where else were you considering? And what stood out about Ole Miss to led you to choose it? Well, funny things. Here's the funny thing. So during 
during my uh high school career, I ended up getting offered by Ole Miss in uh like in the last maybe two months of the uh, high school season, my senior year. So I ended up taking my last official visit here during uh, high school. But the thing was, I, I I was you know it was too far from home. I was I didn't know how I was going to do here, so I I ended up not coming. So fast forward to my collegiate career, I entered the transfer portal. And then, you know, Ole Miss comes and offers me again, but this time it's with a different coach, Coach Kiffin. Coach Kiffin happened to so offer me out of high school and it was my first high school offer at FAU. So, you know, it was kind of a no-brainer for me to come back come back and link up with Coach Kiffin because we already had our, had that bond together. Like, it was pretty much of a no-brainer. Like, why would I not come to Ole Miss? Like, come on now. So when you commit to Ole Miss, they don't actually have Pete Golding yet. They changed defensive coordinators did that – I mean, I'm sure you didn't waver too much in terms of your decision to come to Ole Miss, but what was that kind of like when you got the news and what's it been like getting adjusted to Pete Golding and playing for a new defensive coordinator that was different than when you committed to Ole Miss, if my memory serves me correct? Yeah, so the good thing about it was that when Pete Golding came, me and him met immediately because I wanted to see what type of scheme he ran and wanted to know if I was going to be able to fit in this scheme. So me and him met. And we and we had a good first initial meeting, and I was like, man, I'm I'm home, I'm I'm here, let's get to work. And that from that day on, we've clicked, and you know, man, Coach Golden's a great guy, I love him, man. He's very smart. He, you know, Kiffin doesn't let the coordinators talk a lot, but he had the preseason media availability, and it lasted like 20 minutes, which is longer than your typical, um, you know, coach media availability, particularly in August. But I think part of it was just because how what great answers he gave. And there's been a lot of stories about what a bright football mind he is. Is that something you notice pretty quickly? What's it like talking football with Pete Golding? <laughs> man, talking talking football with Coach Golding, man, it'll blow your mind away. Like, this, he's a very smart coach, and I'm forever grateful to have him in my corner for sure. You guys have a lot of new faces on this defense, and one of the things I've heard about Coach Golding and the defensive scheme is that he he doesn't really look at what you guys don't do well. He just looks at what my guys do the best, and he tries to put you in the best positions to succeed based on your strengths. Has that been your experience, and what's that been like in him setting you up in positions to succeed? Yes, definitely. Uh, as you said, he he he's always looked at, you know, putting all our guys in position to uh, win from the front end to the back end, man. As long as all all eleven are able to play to their strengths and get the job done and play efficiently and effectively, that's that's what all that matters at the end of the day. I want to go back for a second. You mentioned you're a South Florida kid, obviously. You end up at UCF for the beginning part of your career. You mentioned Ole Miss offered you under the old staff, but you didn't know how you'd do that far away from home. So you end up at UCF. Did you care at all whether you were going to play power five or group of five football? How much did that factor into your original decision? Um I would honestly say going to UCF, I was I was going going into UCF, I was like, why not show them I can make it out of group of five? But then going into the transfer portal, I was like, man, I gotta go, I gotta do the right thing, man. Like, let's go to the SEC. Like, let's go show everybody why I'm the best in the world, why why I deserve to get drafted. So that was my mindset going into it. You feel me? Yeah, absolutely. And I probably once you entered the portal, you knew you had some options. What gave you confidence as a player when you did decide to enter the portal that like, hey, I know I can get to the power five level of the best conference in America, probably the not probably definitely the toughest division in college football historically. Like what gave you kind of confidence that like I can play at the power five level and I belong here? Um, More so, more so, man, uh, I played a lot of ball. So coming out of high school, I had power five offers and, and whatnot, but 
you know, uh, just being able to like bet on yourself, man. Like I'm, I'm a big bet on myself guy. I've been doubting my whole life. So a lot of people told me before I would never make it to play SEC ball. So I'm just, you know, I'm proving people wrong day by day and getting better and better. So that's, that's the reason right there for sure. For you, South Florida kid, did you get recruited by Miami at all? They, you know, make a big emphasis on kind of keeping kids in South Florida. I'm just curious, like, were you recruited by Miami at all? How attempting was that? Uh, yeah, I was. I was somewhat recruited by Miami, but you know, I wasn't really uh, too recruited too much hard on them. But it was, it was somewhat like they were flirting and stuff like that, but not serious. And we talked about the group of five power five thing. You went to one of what I would say is like four programs that is basically a power five school that's in a group of five conference. What did, what was your experience at UCF? Like you guys obviously won a lot of games. It's a very successful program. You weren't that far from home in Orlando. What was it like being at uh, UCF? Uh, honestly, being at UCF was a, um, actually probably one of the great, greatest four years, four years of my life, man. I was fortunate enough to build some lifelong relationships with people there. And um, Orlando will for always be a second home to me, man. I love those people there. That's, that's definitely another home for me. You went through the high school recruiting process, but the portal recruiting process is very different. And a lot of the things I've heard from talking to you, you know, you or some a couple other guys that I've had the pleasure to have on the podcast of Kiffin seems to very much succeed in the transfer uh, recruiting market because it's less of like the glitz and the glam and it seems more so business-like almost like selling a player in NFL free agency it's like here's how I want to use you here's why we think we can win a bunch of games with you and here's how we think we can develop you to get to the next level did you enjoy that portal aspect of recruiting as opposed to the high school stuff that kind of has you know a lot of the extracurriculars photo shoot stuff like that did you enjoy the kind of the business side of being a transfer yeah. portal recruit because you know what you want at that point I imagine yeah, definitely. I could I could very much say like the second go around the recruiting process, man, I, I didn't I really didn't care about any pictures, any campus. Like I I I mainly focused on the football aspect and how you guys use me in this defense, like how, how I fit in schematically and everything. I, so business wise, I could definitely say I enjoyed that for sure. You guys have a couple of transfer portal uh linebackers in that room whether it's Monty Montgomery or whatever, but but you guys as coming in as new guys, have you related to some of the newer faces in your position room at all? Cause you know, you're in the same boat to some degree. You're trying to learn a new scheme. You're at a new place. Has that helped you at all having other guys in your position room that are new? Yeah, I would definitely say that's helped me, but you know, the linebacker room is all one big brotherhood. So we all love on each other and joke around and you know, we don't ever take anything personal. We all love each other at the end of the day. We're a big family. What did you play in high school? Were you a linebacker only in high school? What else did you do? Yeah, yeah, in line, yeah, high school I was mainly a linebacker. How did you get into football, and what at what point did you realize that, hey, I'm pretty good at this and that college football is on my radar? Man, uh, I've actually been playing football since I was four years old, a little kid on the park, running with the biggest helmet and hitting people for fun. Wow. Okay. So you've been playing football quite a long time. Was there a moment for you throughout your high school career that you kind of figured, okay, like I, I can't do this. I'm going to play at the college level where there's, was there a moment for you that you realized, okay, I am very good at this and I can play at the next level. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I, let me see. I'm trying to remember. It was actually in one practice in high school. I went up and made a big hit on the running back and I just seen a, uh, all the college coaches faces were stunned and, they went to writing notes, and I was like, "Yeah, I might need to take this serious." Okay, that's a that's a pretty good indicator. You know, you got college scouts at a practice, and you hit somebody, and all of a sudden they're writing in their notepad. You know, you've probably done something pretty good there. 
Florida yeah. has great high school football. What was it like playing Florida high school football? I imagine one, you see a lot of great th- athletes and you see a ton of speed. What was it like growing up playing high school football in Florida? And how do you think it prepared you for the next level? Oh man, listen, uh, I even argue with my teammates here about this, man. South Florida football is a different level of football, man. Not, not everybody's built to play in South Florida football. So it's the most competitive and you know, it, it, it gets very trippy at times. So it, I really feel like South Florida got me ready ready for football at any time, to be honest with you. You're well into your college career. You have a year left, and then you'll kind of hopefully have a long career at the next level. What do you think your greatest strengths as a football player are? Like, if you were kind of selling someone that didn't know anything about you, what would you tell them about what you do best on a football field? Um, I would definitely say I'm instinctive. I'm a verbal communicator, and I like to hit people. Linebacker's a bit of a thinking man's position, though, right? You have to read things. You have to have good instincts, as you just mentioned, and you have to react very quickly, do you not? What's yes, that def- like? Uh, yes, definitely. You know, in today's offense, you know, a lot of people run spread offenses. So, you know, a lot of people like to give you eye candy, but sometimes you need to be able to just focus on your keys and play your game and, you know, and play fast enough. I met you uh, briefly like about a week and a half ago in the Grove uh, with my buddy Michael Porter, and it, it made me laugh that you guys had a great defensive performance in the season opener against Mercer outside of that one play. It was just kind of funny. The first play of the Pete Golding era, this little like this, you know, kind of somewhat mobile quarterback just goes 70 something yards down the field. It made me laugh that you were like you were talking about kind of how pissed everyone was like, like really like this shit happened on the first play. Y'all clearly settled down after that. What was it like seeing that kid run down the field 70 yards? It's like, really, this happened on one snap. Yeah. Um. Oh, <laughs> the reaction to that was this, man. We seen it and it was like, yeah, that will never happen again. Like, we was just pissed. We was pissed off and we made a promise like that would never happen again. And, you know, I, I get it. It's a FCS program, but that's a good FCS program. And that's a very tricky offense with seeming like a lot of pre-snap eye candy and stuff. I know you're preparing for an FCS opponent. You know you're probably going to win the game. But, like, when you were preparing that week or whatever it was leading up to the game, is that a pretty tricky offense to go against? There's just seeming like against Mercer there was a lot of moving parts there. Um, You know, and this is why we practice. We have coaches that put us in uh, positions. And we, you know, this is why we practice. We have coaches that put us in positions to win, and you know, we have film, and and we do everything to study opponent to the tick. So I think that's the good thing about having practice and film study and being able to know your opponent. Just kind of reading uh, between the lines on what, particularly Coach Kiffin, and a lot of what some else has come out media wise is, you guys got down seventeen to seven in that game last Saturday, and it didn't seem like you really flinched. And I, he made. I can't remember if it was Kiffin or Dart that made kind of a subtle comment about, like, I'm not sure this would have turned out the same way last year. And I guess my point in saying that is they seem very high on the culture and the camaraderie and bond that you guys have as a team, despite having so many new faces. Like, what has kind of your experience been with that? Can you speak to that as well? It seems like it's a team that with a lot of guys that like each other and a mature team, despite the fact that it is a lot of new people, as I mentioned. I can definitely say that this team is this team that we have this year. Everybody's bought in, man. Everybody has the same goal, and everybody's bought in, and everybody's doing whatever it takes to, for us to win. That's what we, that's what matters the most this year. Whatever it takes, whatever has to be done to win as a team, we will do. For someone that came out of a group of five school, Tulane's a great program, right? Reigning Cotton Bowl champions, they beat USC in the Cotton Bowl last year. I had a guy on that covers Tulane before the game. 
uh, about Wednesday of last week. And we kind of talked about like, there's really not that a ton of difference, particularly at the top level of the group of five schools versus the power five schools. As a guy that came from UCF, I imagine you weren't someone that was going to take Tulane lightly because they weren't in a power five conference. You were probably as someone who played against them, I'd imagine pretty, pretty well versed at how talented they were. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, this, this past weekend, this two game, this Tulane game was very personal to me just because of the fact that I lost to them during the conference championship. So that was a tough pill to swallow. So I came into this game saying that I'm leaving here with a W because the last time I left the stadium, I left with the worst feeling in my gut, which was leaving the con- which was losing the conference championship. So I was going to make sure I leave with the stadium with a, a W this time. You played with John Rice Plumley, a fan favorite at uh, at Ole Miss before he headed down to UCF. Was there a moment last year, whether it was in camp or whatever, like God damn, this guy's fast? Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. Kid, I kid you not. John Rice got some wheels, boy. He he can run. Was, what was that like going up in practice? I imagine that has to be a change of pace than any other quarterback you've seen. Because, look, there's mobile quarterbacks. There are guys that have speed, and then there's that. Like, was there a moment where, like, holy shit, this dude, this dude can yeah. run? Listen, I kid you not. Like, before he, um before we got to even a spring practice, he was anticipated, oh, yeah, he's going to be a guy that can roll. But I was like, man, I, I've seen quarterbacks that can roll. But I kid you not, like, the first spring practice we had there, they ran the quarterback draw, and he just, like, I blinked and he ran past me. So I was like, yeah, he can run for real. I was like, this guy, he's pretty fast. <laughs> Absolutely. So as you guys kind of look forward to the season, you have a you know a tough test this weekend against Georgia Tech, and then you're going to kind of hit the, the heat of the SEC schedule. And I know you're focused on what you guys are doing, and I know you don't get to like sit around and watch football all day on Saturday like the rest of us do. But with the rest of your division kind of looking like they have some flaws, right? Alabama loses to Texas. LSU did not look that great in their season opener against Florida State. Do you guys kind of have a sense that this is there for the taking and this is wide open and you're confident that you're as good as anyone in the division? Uh, Right now, we're, you know, we're focused on the task at hand. So we're really focused on Georgia Tech. We'll worry about the other opponents when that time does come. But as of now, we're focused on Georgia Tech. Absolutely. Do you have a uh, quarterback that's the toughest you face? Like, I'm just curious. Like, has there been a single quarterback or like, damn, that guy's that guy's pretty awesome? Um, I'm trying to think of one. It may be Plumlee. <laughs> Maybe did yeah. you face in practice? I I would say, I'd say probably the best quarterback I probably did face. Uh, let me see. I'm, I'm really thinking. I think the best quarterback I played in my collegiate career would have, would have been uh, Zach Wilson. That's BYU. a good one. You know, he gets a win on Monday Night Football against the Jets. I'd say there's definitely um, some validation there, which is pretty awesome. I mean, that's pretty crazy. You talk about the talent at the top level of college football. I mean, he played a lot against a lot of guys that are probably – already playing on Sunday for you. How do you balance that? I know you're focused on this season, but you're certainly going to have a professional future. What is that like in your last year of college football of staying focused on what you have to do within the season? And then also kind of contemplating like, okay, what's next for me? Uh, Definitely. It, it has been a thought that has came across my mind, but you know, my, I'm very big on a, a, a quote, which is be where your feet are. So right now, I'm doing everything in my power to make sure I play as best as I can this year to get, to make sure I achieve my dreams and get to the next level for sure. Y'all are up seven points on Saturday, and you have a false start. They bring in Caden Davis, 
for a field goal from 56 yards. I watched his interview on Monday. I can't remember if that was the same day as yours, but whatever it was, I was blown away by the fact that he said he made a 67-yarder in warm-ups, and he told Kiffin that, hey, if we get around midfield, I'm good. What was that like watching it from the sidelines that he made a 56-yard field goal in the game's most crucial moment that might have been good from 70? Was that – I mean, I know you see him in practice every day. It probably wasn't totally surprising, but was there a part of you that was like, damn, like that was a nuke? To be honest with you, I wasn't nervous at all, man. Like, I've seen him hit some crazy kicks. So, and in my head, I'm like, man, this is easy money for Ken. He got this. <laughs> 56 yards, automatic, easy money. What's uh you know, I know you're two games into the season, but kind of what's been your favorite part about playing at Ole Miss and playing in the SEC so far? Is there one thing that stuck out to you that's been enjoyable? Man, listen to me. Uh my first time ever going to the Grove, walking through the Grove, Walk of Champions. And they and they told me that that hasn't been nothing yet. Like, wait till we uh play I think that night game. I think we play LSU at night here. Oh yeah. And they and they told me that um like the Walk of Champions, that game is going to be crazy. So I'm very looking forward to that. I know you've done walkthroughs at other schools, and I know you've tasted it at least once. You'll do it a second time this weekend. But what is it kind of like walking through that amount of people as you head into the stadium? I imagine, you know, not that you need extra motivation, but I imagine that gets you pretty locked in. Yeah, man, just being able to walk through the Walk of Champions, man, it just shows that the city of Oxford is here to, is here behind us and here to support us, man, like – being able to see the young kids and all the fans just be happy to see us walk through, that's just another blessing, honestly. Absolutely. You guys have a young guy on your roster is a very highly talented recruit. Um, freshman linebacker. What has it kind of been like playing with a younger guy that's talented? You're an older player. Have you kind of helped him along and just kind of helping him get to know, you know, the ins and outs of college football? What's it like mentoring a young guy who's uber talented? Yes, um, I've actually taken him under my wing, man. So Whatever questions, whatever questions he asks, I, I'm always there to help him, man. Big brother, I'm a big brother to, uh, to get, so I'm always there for him, man. I'm I'm here to lead him and make him uh, into a better player on and off the field. What was kind of your first uh, interaction with Perkins? Like, I know you probably knew that he was a very good player, but, like, what, was there a moment where, like, okay, yeah, this kid's ready immediately? I mean, yeah, my first interaction, man, we, we just, you know, introduced ourselves, talked ball, and I was like, man, he's smart. You don't really meet a lot of smart kids coming out of high school into the collegiate system. So that's one thing that stuck out to me for sure. What is the biggest difference in prepping for a college football game? Obviously, the offenses are more complex. Like, what is the biggest adjustment in terms of, like, trying to get used to, like, okay, I really have to prepare like this is a job? Um, You know, just treat everything like a game, man. So practices, practices, practices is what help you get to the game. So and if you're, if, you, if you're a player that practice hard and work hard, the game is going to come easy to you. But you have to stay focused in, at all times. Like, you can't just be not focused. You know, no mental clutter. Like, you have to be 110% locked in. There was a lot made about whether Tulane's starting quarterback was going to start last week. And I can't remember if it was you or someone else, but in one of their postgame interviews, someone, one of the guys on you guys' defense was like, man, I didn't even really notice it. We were prepared pretty well. I didn't even really notice it was the backup quarterback till it got before the game. Was, did that affect you guys at all when you got out before warm-ups and you figured out that, hey, Pratt's not playing, it's going to be Horton, it's going to be the backup? Did that change anything you did? Did you notice it at all? I'm just curious what that was kind of like, having a guy last minute not be able to play. Um, no, nah, I, I wouldn't say it changed anything we did, man. We still, like like you like you said, we still managed to play our brand of football. 
doesn't matter if it's a starting quarterback, backup quarterback, Thursday quarterback, we're going to play our band of ball on defense. Absolutely. And just kind of in closing, I know I asked you this at the top, you guys get a very big confidence building win. Do you feel like you guys are coming together as a defense? Do you feel like you guys are kind of figuring out what you're good at, kind of what, you know, what you do best? Do you feel like you guys are kind of becoming more cohesive as a unit as you get, you know, eight, 12 quarters of football into the season? Yeah, you know, as the season goes by, you you you're you're gonna build confidence out of defense. You're gonna you know, you're gonna build tendencies. You're playing with those guys on the field, man. Like it, it just comes. It's, it's called chemistry. Once you build chemistry with those guys, man, like it, it's 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 second to none. Awesome, Jeremiah. This is all I had for you. I really appreciate it, man. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks for taking a few minutes out of your day to do this. Best of luck this weekend. Best of luck this season. We'll do this again sometime. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. All right, that's gonna do it for our show today. Appreciate. Jeremiah's time. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Great guy and uh, finding a role in this Ole Miss defense. We'll be back at it tomorrow with a widespread panic cover band and some picks. So interesting conversation coming your way tomorrow. Be on the lookout for that. They're playing a show in Oxford this weekend and we'll have more for you on Friday. Thanks for listening.